Anyong, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I am your host, Darren. Today, I'm joined by two guests. Uh, first of all, uh, Emily. Hello, Emily. Hello. And Lan. Hello, Lan. Hi there. And today, we're talking about episode 12 of season one, which is called Martyr Complex. It went out on the 8th of February, 2004, and it's written by John Levenstein, who is someone that I've talked about on the previous episodes that he's written so far this season. And... Uh, Jim Vallely? I don't know how to pronounce this name, I'm sorry. It's two L's and then an E and then an L and a Y. Um, and he um, he used to be a writer on The Golden Girls with Mitch Hurwitz and Mark Cherry. He, um, he, he's basically a writer who will be around for the, the three seasons. So this is, this is like one of his first episodes, but he's basically, he basically ends up writing four or five episodes a season for the next three years. So I can't pronounce his name, and I, I suspect I'm going to be able to, unable to pronounce it every other time he writes <laughs> an episode. Um, so expect to hear me mangle his surname a number of times. It was directed by Joe Russo, um, who, of course, is uh, one half of the Russo brothers. Uh, they directed the pilot, uh, and they've they've directed a, a couple of episodes uh, in between, kind of alternating between <laughs> between themselves. And this episode kind of I, it's a Valentine's episode, but it went out like a week before Valentine's Day. And then the storyline that takes place in this, which is connected with Marta um, and uh, um, frightened inmate number two, <laughs> and, <laughs> and all the other kind of stories, doesn't actually conclude until the next episode. So it's 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 it's, it's interesting because it's kind of like a two part episode. And importantly, um, when Arrested Development was ordered to series, you know, it got a, it got the usual twelve episode pickup, and this is the eleventh of those twelve episodes. So the storyline with Marta was the only kind of uh, long term storyline that was planned in the first season from the pilot. So. Um, from the second episode on, the, the kind of martyr storyline with Job kind of starts happening and will be concluded in the next episode. But, you know, for the moment, I'll give you the uh, the summary as it is in the uh, DVD uh, booklet that comes with season one. And it goes as such. Despite his crush on Marta, Michael agrees to help Job figure out if she has a new lover, while George Michael tries to figure out his feelings for his cousin Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the main the main plot in this whole thing is um, Hermano, you know, the, the <laughs> wonderful misunderstanding about exactly who Hermano is, with everyone, of course, pointing to their brothers um, and everyone thinking it is someone else. In the next episode, we'll actually get a lot of jokes about how Job knows brother in French and various other languages, but he doesn't know it in Spanish. Um <laughs> And I think at one point he even says brothero, um, you know. So I th- this this whole thing about like Hermano, it just cracks me up so much because it's it's just so it's so crazy that the only way that anyone can think to describe each other here is is just by saying brother over and over again. But neither of the actual brothers understand that that's what's being said um, until the very end, where um, you know where where Michael has kind of a, a little bit of a touching scene where. You know, he's, he asks, what does uh, Tiamo mean? And then he asks one of Marta's, you know, boys, you know, who, who is Hermano? And he, you know, says he's in the room. And then obviously Michael realises. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the main plot. And then we have, on the side of that, we have Carl Weathers, who is kind of going between the other two plots that are going on here. Um, you know, he, he's... 
he's teaching Tobias a number of things, none of them acting, <laughs> um, most of them about how to make a stew. How to get a stew going. Yeah, and, and, uh, and you know, Lindsay is, um, you know, she she's kind of trying to get a divorce from Tobias. Or both. And then also, well, yeah, well, yeah, and, uh, and also we've got, um, you know, maybe and um and George Michael kind of like swapping rooms and that whole the whole bunking cousins situation which again always Michael Sarah's <laughs> delivery when he kind of gets a bit angry that all this is happening and he's just he says bunking cousins and literally no one believes him that's what they call them bunking cousins <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also within the whole kind of um Tobias Lindsay stuff and using Carl Weathers we have Carl Weathers being set up with uh, Lucille too um, to try and make Buster jealous, and, and obviously we get to see some of uh, Lucille Bluth by herself, which is, which is you know, it's a fun scene with her singing and dancing and, one, and just having fun popping balloons around the house. But before we get into the plot proper, um, I'm going to ask each of you: uh, When did you watch the show? Did you watch it when it was first on the air, or did you catch up with it on DVDs, or did you start watching it when you you know when it was on Netflix? Uh, so Emily, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, when when did you come to the show? Okay, well, it was probably 2014, whenever the first DVD came out, because my mom had heard that um, it was a good show that no one was watching, which is kind of weird. It's not really the kind of show I would think my mom <laughs> would be into, but she rented the first season DVD, and it was like after dinner, it was the weekend, and she wanted to watch it. And I sat and watched the first few, but I was like 14 at the time. So I just wanted to get to my room and probably watch the Lord of the Rings DVD extras for the thousandth time. But um, <laughs> I remember thinking it was funny, and especially the scene of Job trying to throw the letter into the ocean really sticks in my mind. And I thought it was hilarious, but I was like, no, I want to go be by myself. So I didn't watch the rest of it then. And somehow I caught back up when it, season two came back on, and I started watching it from there. And then was just quoting it forever since then nobody would ever know what I was talking about until college when I was able to kind of pass the DVDs around and get my friends into it and it's kind of snowballed from there uh I know I remember watching it uh a little bit when it was on TV boy I have the worst memory but I know that I watched it when it was first came out uh but I didn't get to see all of it so once it basically all came out on Netflix I it was like one of the very first things that when I got Netflix that I mainlined everything that they had once it was on. We start with Michael's, as, as described by the narrator, Michael's sister's anniversary. Michael has... And he'd convinced his mother to throw a party for her. And, um, you know, we get the, we kind of get the, this wonderful exchange at the beginning, li- like literally the first few lines where, um, you know, Lucille finds out it's an anniversary and she says... Anniversary? You asked me to throw a Valentine's Day party. And Michael goes... Did I? And Lucille goes... You tricked me. And he goes... I deceived you, Mom. Trick makes it sound like we have a playful relationship. <laughs> and and I love that Lucille kind of admits defeat by going... Touché. And then she screams at Lupe to untie the balloons. <laughs> and it's a great it's a great setup for this party because, um, like, kind of no one in this party really kind of seems to know why they're at this party. There's, you know, Job has brought Marta and he's kind of almost trying to, like, you know, break up with her... And after, after you know, breaking up with her and saying, admitting he made a huge mistake and then recommitting to her and, and, and saying again it was a huge mistake, <laughs> um, you know, 
So we, we already get that twice in this episode. We get another couple times. The biggest way you can tell that no one knows why they're at this party is when, and I think it's Job starts up the clapping with calling for a speech. And everyone, that is the funniest thing. <laughs> we'll get to the speech, speech, speech in a second because that's, that's such a great scene. Yeah, but like Michael's kind of, you know, at this point, Lindsay knows that Michael is in love with Marta. You know, a few episodes back, they got drunk and he admitted this. And, um, you know, Lindsay at this point has figured out (laughs) she wants to get divorced from Tobias. Now, they've had troubles up until this point, but, like, this is the first time where Lindsay is kind of calling to get a divorce. And, um, you know, so it's kind of interesting. (laughs) Just bolt in the night. Yeah, yeah. She said, yeah, she's got a choice of that or the bolt. And she's she's setting herself up for the bolt. And um, the kind of reason for, for... her um, kind of wanting a divorce is because um, Tobias, as the narrator says, Tobias had recently hired actor Carl Weathers as a drama coach. <laughs> and I just love everything about that. Carl, we- Carl Weathers was in the, um, I think either the previous episode or two episodes ago. This is the second episode with Carl Weathers. And um, he is like, he is great in this. And I, I think um, like actors playing a kind of uh, like they're themselves but playing a worse version of themselves has kind of become a little bit cliche like having actors being in sitcoms where they play like a horrible version of you know a, a kind of what their self is meant to be I, I think is kind of particularly with like extras uh, you know Ricky Gervais sitcom I think it kind of became a bit of a cliche to, to pretend that you were a terrible person mm-hmm. um, and Carl Weathers isn't doing that, but he is—he's playing here, and this is this is not like anything on the extras because this is just a brilliant way to make his character kind of stand out. He is playing a kind of um, a really stingy <laughs> version of Jared himself, Rugal. and um, thrifty. Yeah, and he—he—he he, he says particularly when um, Tobias is finished like eating something, and um, he's like, "There's still plenty of meat on that bone." You take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth and potato. (laughs) Baby, you got a stew going. (laughs) And I just love his kind of obsession with stew. For some reason in this episode, it's it's so perfect that in both storylines, like, Tobias gradually realizes how cheap Carl Weathers is. And at one point he says, I think I'd like my money back. The great part about that moment is the dramatic music and the close-up on both of them after he says he wants his money back. (laughs) Like, it's the most dramatic thing that's happened. That's about as aggressive as uh, Tobias will get, so (laughs) I think I want my money back. Knowing how cheap Carl Weathers is, getting money out of him is probably this version of Carl Weathers, should I say, because I I have a feeling Carl Weathers is a very generous person in real life. (laughs) But this version of Carl Weathers, getting money out of him, is probably very, very difficult. Uh, you know, he boasts about how he, he, he never touched his padilla. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he names the Showtime movie Hot Eyes with Ann Archer. And I don't know if that's a real film, and I don't want to know if it's a real film, because I just, <laughs> in my imagination, the film I called agree. Hot Eyes is better than anything that it could possibly be, you know. And he talks about how he used to go to craft service and um, get, get some veggies, some bacon, cup of stew, and he would have a stew going. And I just love, I just love it. I just love how, I love how everything is about a right. stew. The video clip that he is introduced with, uh, Carl Weathers from Predator, maybe I'm reading too much yeah. into this, but I think there might be a moment of foreshadowing in there because his arm is blasted off in that video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? That 
that is no that clip itself is notorious anyway because in Predator, obviously Carl Weathers has two arms, and the way they achieved the effect that they did of him having only one arm was for him to put his arm behind his back. But in a couple of shots, his arm behind his back is easily <laughs> visible, and he's when you see him on the ground, you can basically see his oh, other great. arm. So it, it's I don't know if it's just the fact that that it's kind of notorious for how bad that effect was that they're doing it, but yeah. I don't know how far ahead they have planned at this particular point in terms of what will happen with Buster, but um, I, I don't think that that is meant to be foreshadowing, though you could easily read it as that. But it is it is a nice judge. Joining up the, you know, kind of off this Carl Weathers story, a, I guess it's just kind of a little bit of a runner, despite the fact that the DVD summary feels that this is a big story. Um, the whole maybe tonight thing is, you know, quite funny, where George Michael goes to the... The bowl of um, candy hearts and he, uh, which over here they're called love hearts, these ones with the little messages on, and he's searching around for a sign <laughs> and he finds one that says, Maybe tonight. And he says, What are the chances? The narrator immediately undercuts it by by showing very quickly, uh, saying, um, Actually, maybe tonight was a very popular candy slogan and the chances were one in eight. <laughs> I just love <laughs> I love how quickly they kind of undercut his... And then, of course, uh, you know, George Michael takes it to maybe and says it's a one-in-a-million thing, and obviously it's definitely not one-in-a-million thing. Um, and then, of course, maybe uh, throws it at Tobias, <laughs> which is such a... Like, that is exactly what maybe would do. She would she sees no sentimentality in anything. So even if you bring something that has her name on it, um, she doesn't care, and she just throws it away. And she takes and she takes off before Tobias can even turn around, so that George Michael gets all the blame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that obviously will play into the uh, that will play into the storylines in a little bit. Um, but then we we get to Lucille, who um, you know is trying to force a wedge between Buster and um, her her social rival Lucille Ostero. And um, Liza Minnelli is is great oh. in this, um, particularly the kind of the the, the the little exchange between Carl Weathers and Lucille Osterio, where you know he 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 says, "Well, I never say no to dinner with a beautiful lady." That is, and um, Lucille Osterio says, "Do you like him?" And he goes, "No, I love it." <laughs> and it's just such a perfect because Liza Minnelli kind of does a little giggle, and it's just it's so great, like the kind of. They're not in like this is literally the only episode I think where they kind of interact, and um, you know it's uh, like it's they have like such a, a great kind of um, timing together. Uh, I don't know how you guys. They laugh at that joke. Yeah, they laugh at that joke like it is the funniest <laughs> bit of banter <laughs> they have ever heard. <laughs> so I mean, we get the introduction here of like one of my favorite things that George Senior starts doing, which is his uh, religious conversion and his like his businesses that he starts running from prison uh, which starts here with caged wisdom and I love the line where um, George, George Bluth is like I cheated and I lied and I hoard around and it's just such a like inappropriate <laughs> thing to be playing with like the kids in there and like you know martyr and it's, it just feels like exactly the wrong thing for someone to be saying and then you get the prisoner just yelling caged wisdom changed my life and the thing is I don't know how Cage Wisdom could have changed that prisoner's life because he's still a prisoner. So. <laughs> he's still caged. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> this kind of calls forward a little bit to what's going to happen with the Lucille plot where, you know, he says, you've got to learn to be alone. And uh, obviously we'll see that Lucille 
uh, after she kicks Buster out, will uh, learn to be alone. We get a little bit of Lucille saying, you know, after Lindsay says this was supposed to be my anniversary when Cage Wisdom is played, and Lucille says this was supposed to be my Valentine's party, and then she screams for Lupe for the balloons. And Lupe's like, you want balloons? Which I just love. I love how much Lucille just screams stuff at her, whoever is, you know, serving her at any particular point. And, um, you know, in this case, it is it is Lupe. When she was at the award show and she was kind of like, you know, for um, for Marta... And there's all these, the, like all the the guys walking around, all the all the different uh, Hispanic <laughs> actors, and she's like a sea of waiters, and no one will get me a drink. I also love the uh, the jokes where somebody says they don't want something, and then they change their mind automatically. Like on Thirty Rock, Jack does it with Kenneth when Kenneth is like, "There's a lady on sh- on the phone, and sh- you can get Showtime for free for the next month." And he's like, "This is I, this is not important to me." And then like five minutes later, he's like, "Kenneth, get me Showtime." <laughs> he says, "Now you want it?" <laughs> yeah, I just I love people kind of changing their mind on subordinates who get really they have to quickly act and do the opposite of what they've just done. Uh, right. And a, this is where we get possibly. One of the greatest moments in the whole of Arrested Development, I feel, which is where, <laughs> for some reason, Job starts chanting speech, 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 and speech, 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 speech. The family continued to chant speech, speech, speech for no one in particular. And I just love Ron love Ron Howard's delivery of that. And also I like how it kind of shows that Job will start something without knowing how to finish it. He just starts chanting speech, speech, speech and expects someone to make a speech. And I love that it's Michael who's eventually like yeah, after all that, I was kind of hoping somebody would make a speech. <laughs> Job dismisses it with typical. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you started it. You wanted a speech from someone, Job. That's the kind of moment that makes you want to, you're like, I have to share this with someone. Someone has to see how funny this is. I can't, I have to share this. And I think it's funny that, like, when Michael says it as well, you get a quick one line of um, Buster going, speech, like, excitedly again, <laughs> and then being cut off. And it's like, I just I just love that. It's like All of the siblings here are kind of getting to show how they would like to behave. And at this point, we get Michael's, like, really long speech where he's talking about the different couples and we get the wonderful line where he's like, Cheers to mom and dad, to Buster and Lucille. And Buster goes, <laughs> Don't forget my girlfriend. And Michael, <laughs> without even stopping, goes, Do I meant? And I just I just love that. I, lo- I love that Buster hears mom and dad and then Buster and Lucille and doesn't realize that those are meant to be two different groups of people. There's not, there's not <laughs> one person in both of those groups. Um, you know. And then, of course, he goes, I almost said, George Michael and maybe when he kind of hesitates after saying George Michael and um, Michael Sarah gives this kind of like really fake over the top laugh. Oh. <laughs> um. Like so great. Um, and then of course, you know, we, we get to the end of the scene with Michael saying to love and happiness. I love you all, Marta. And the way Jason Bateman kind of just slips it in is like so perfect. Um, you know, and Marta of course realizing that Job is terrible and Michael is the person she should be with. And then she says, I made a huge mistake. 
and that is like the third time we've heard it just in this first act. <laughs> right. Um, and I think it's interesting as well that I think it's interesting as well that Michael's speech inspires Lindsay to get a divorce, <laughs> and it inspires <laughs> you know it kind of almost it kind of causes um, Buster and Lucille Astero to split up as well, and also. Marta to reconsider being with Job. So this speech that he's made about all these couples ends up kind of splitting them all up, basically. Right. Um, and of course, it it keeps it keeps enforcing George Michael's love of his cousin. I guess it really doesn't figure for the rest of this episode. Not until the end. Yeah, like the whole swapping of you know bedrooms and when Lindsay is like, um... <laughs> we're all just gonna have a more normal arrangement. I'm gonna sleep with my daughter, and you're gonna sleep with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such so, um, such an obviously not healthy thing, but and of course that's when we get the uh, you know the the bunking cousins thing. There's also a great sight gag during this uh, this speech when he says Tobias and Lindsay and Carl Weathers is standing right in the middle of them, and Tobias has to reach around Carl Weathers to pat <laughs> Lindsay on the back. It's funny because um, obviously in other episodes. There is a whole thing where, for some reason, Tobias thinks that everyone thinks he's black, um, because the name Tobias, and I, I, it's just a, it's a weird little gag that they uh, they do in some other episodes. Well, I so I think that's also I read yes. that that was actually going to be a part of the character that they never got to that his parents are black and that he's got albinoism or whatever, and so that's what all those jokes were leading up to. Yeah, I think I have discussed that on a previous episode as well. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, it's, a, it's such an odd storyline <laughs> that they obviously. I mean, the even odder thing is the fact that David Cross never grew a mustache for the whole thing and had a like a, a fake mustache for literally the entire run of the episode, uh, which of course gives the whole Mrs. Featherbottom stuff an extra level because then he starts wearing a fake mustache <laughs> that looks fake to suggest that he shaved his mustache off it's i always wondered if like maybe they make him and george michael room together because he had also assumed for a while back then uh that george michael was also a never nude so at the same time with carl weathers as well as coming in between Lindsay and tobias <laughs> which is tobias's fault really because he's you know paid him uh his last couple of thousand to get him to do this he's been set up with uh lucille and Buster he calls up Michael, and he... I love this, because he's like... Do you know she tried to set up my girlfriend with a man? And I love the way he <laughs> says, with a man. Um, I'm a and man. And then, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, I'm a man, Mike. I'm a man. I'm I love a that. man. <laughs> I love it. And then um, Lupe says... Can I try out this yogurt? And I love how Michael... Again, Jason Bateman is so good at this, where he... he, he he doesn't even miss a beat, and he's like... Buster, two things. First of all, I think it might be time for you to move out. You know? And secondly, you don't want to take any chances with yogurt. Mom, just let her throw it out. <laughs> and then I love how Lucille starts pressing the phone buttons like she's an old person who doesn't know how to use the phone. Um, you know, which is... I just think that's really good. And then, of course, after hanging up on that situation, Job comes in. <laughs> Job says, great speech last night. And Michael says... Uh, really? What did it inspire you to do? Kill somebody? Getting there. Marta's cheating on me. What? This kind of starts like the the bulk of this episode, which is the whole Hermano thing, and um, you know, and I love how Michael's like, um, that's crazy, you know, like she's not a cheater, you know, if she were to cheat, I'd like to think she'd cheat, and of course he wants to say with him, but he doesn't, and he stops, and then he just kind of says, you're the cheater, and then you know, Job obviously, you know, he says, that's how I know all the signs. 
Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of the phone call where um, Marta is saying her mano over and over again. You know, her mano, her mano, her mano. And, you know, obviously Job doesn't realise that she's talking about Michael. <laughs> but this is where Job says... She kept using this guy's name, like, Hermano. And, and I love how Michael is like... And this is pro- possibly, in terms of this whole Marta thing, this this is probably my favourite joke where Michael says... Let me tell you something, Job. We're going to track this Hermano down, okay? And we're going to nail him. Because if anyone's going to go out with that girl, it's going to be one of us. Right. <laughs> I like how he, he puts himself into this relationship. And Job goes, right, me. And, of course, Michael instantly goes, and I'm okay with that. And it's just so perfect. That, like, such a perfect joke of how Michael has revealed to both... Marta and now to Job his feelings for Marta without either of them kind of you know Marta just picked up on it but literally no one else in the room did and then Job's now picking up on it and it's but not really and it's I I just love that I love how he puts himself in the in the possible dating pool for Marta and uh, you know and it's funny because obviously you know when when um, you know uh, you know Job actually kind of you know he said to Michael look you know if I broke up with Marta I'd want her to go out with a good guy like you. So, and and this is where we get Lindsay saying that cousins of the opposite gender shouldn't be sharing a room, and George Michael coming up with. I mean, cousins can bunk together. That's why they call it bunking cousins. <laughs> and Lindsay saying. So they call it kissing cousins. And George Michael saying. We're not kissing. That's the point. <laughs> I love how all of the kind of bluth, you know, bluth men are kind of revealing their feelings a little too much in this episode. And yet, no one seems to notice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what I love. Um, of course, now this is where um, maybe throwing the candy heart that said maybe tonight. George Michael seems to think that Tobias saw that and thinks something is going on, but obviously Tobias didn't because he's you know, as with a number of these characters, he's quite self-involved, mm-hmm. so he didn't he didn't acknowledge it other than just something being thrown. Um, and we get you know Michael Sarah's frustration of. You know, first you say share a room, and now you say don't share a room, fine. You know, I'm just going to do whatever you say. And it's, I just, I love how kind of frustrated Michael Sarah plays in this episode. Like he's, you know, he he's trying to make it clear that he, he kind of doesn't care about it, but he obviously deeply cares about it. Um, and, I, I, you know, again, it's it's not a huge part of the story. It's just kind of a little thing here as part of the whole, you know, Tobias um, Lindsay thing. Uh, but it yields some really funny jokes. Right. <laughs> Carl Weathers is caught by Buster, and um, you know he says, "No, just two adults getting a stool." Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love how like kind of disgusted Tony Hale is when he says, "I don't know what that means, but it sounds disgusting." <laughs> I love, I love the way he puts it, and and this is where we get the exchange of everyone saying. Uh, you know, I thought you had class, and Buster saying, "I thought you had class," <laughs> and and it's it's just it's so great. Right before that, Buster has decided to read Lucille a letter and say he's a man, he can move out on his own, and he gathers <laughs> all of his yeah. possessions, which we don't see much of, but it looks like he basically just throws a bunch of stuff in, like a curtain, a big velvet curtain or a bedspread, <laughs> and bundles it up and drags yeah. it out into the hallway, and it looks like all these random just parts, like maybe a sextant in there, just all or a telescope in his possessions that he's taking with him. His his archaeology stuff, and uh, I mean also like most recently we've had episodes with his, um, you know, his giant rock and um, when he found the skull, and so yeah, he's he, he's he's still it's it's something that um, they like after 
these these last couple of episodes, like after the whole martyr thing is resolved, um, they kind of drop Buster being a, a scholar. And then obviously, you know, like uh, this is where we get like the. I mean, this is. The, I guess this is the kind of the the most obvious stating of this particular storyline, where Buster says, "This isn't about my mother," and Lucille is like, "You know, our relationship does not work," and you know, Buster's like, um, you, and she says, "You know, you're getting me all mixed up with your mother," and he goes, "It's exactly the opposite. I'm leaving my mother for you. You're replacing my mother." <laughs> and, and I just, I just love that. I love that. I love that. Even in in trying to kind of make things less creepy, Buster ends up just making things really, really <laughs> creepy at this particular point. The model home is a place where almost everyone sort of wants to live for some reason. Uh, you know, despite the pilot showing that basically everything in there is fake, um, a lot of people end up in there. Obviously, the Funkes end up living in there, um, and Job kind of each time he breaks up with Marta, he keeps trying to live in there and trying to live on the yacht. And kind of, you, you can never quite figure out where Job is. Um, but now we've got Buster who, you know, kind of announces that he's... A little later on, he announces that he's, he's you know, he's moved out. And Michael... And he, Michael obviously doesn't want him to move into the model home, but Buster kind of invites himself into the model home. <laughs> um, where else is he going to go? Yeah, which, you know, will lead to... Um, will lead to him... Um, meeting Marta, um, which is weird because I'm almost certain he met her at the party when they're all chanting speech, but maybe he didn't notice her because he was too busy uh, going out with, as he says, an old lady. I love that part. Um, He's just like, oh my God, <laughs> I've been dating an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you know, he sees Marta and thinks that she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And then he's, you know, He's at the very end of the episode. We see him watching Elamore Prohibido, and I, I, you know, again, I love that title because it describes exactly <laughs> Michael's love of Martin, and, which is El Amor Prohibido, and Buster's love. Uh, well, any any of the any of the Blue Boys' love for Marta. Um, this is where Michael starts to follow Marta to try and figure out what's going on, and. Obviously, everything she's doing because you know he said he didn't have a tuxedo, and you know there's various things that he spoke about to her about at the party, and so she's going about fixing them here. You know, like she's buying him a tuxedo, and she's you know she's getting him flowers, and she's basically doing stuff for him. But because Michael is now in the same mindset as Job, he thinks she's cheating on both him and Job with another man, and obviously that is Hermano. And we get this wonderful little exchange here, and this is something that I, that I puzzled about in a previous episode, and was actually answered that it, this is actually a real thing. But these grown men with the the like dressed as like little boys <laughs> thing, uh, you know, with the with the freckles and the and the little wigs and everything, and and, and we see like two of them in the makeup chairs <laughs> next to each other, being being done up, and it's such a wonderful like little visual gag. Um, but apparently these are re- these are real in in like Spanish soap operas. So, yeah, um, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> such a such a weird <laughs> such a weird thing. Um, but yeah, so and this is where we get the little exchange between the, you know the guys who are both working on set and they have brothers. And something I just wanted to point out is that when the when Michael goes, you know, he asks for Hermano, and the guy says my brother is right there, and he wanders over, and it's the guy in the green. 
and the, the guy in the green obviously says, that's my brother, <laughs> <laughs> sends Michael back in the other direction. And it's funny because as Michael walks away, you, you'll have to, you know, if you didn't notice this, you'll have to watch it again. As he walks away, the guy in green checks out um, his ass. He, he, he looks down at Michael Blue's ass as he's walking away. It's just a quick little look down as as Jason Bateman walks off screen, but it's it's there. So you know this uh, this makeup artist who is putting the freckles on this grown man. He uh, he clearly he clearly likes what he sees. And then of course we you know we see the the first guy um, you know going to Marta's because he's going to get him into wardrobe but obviously because Marta's you know only wearing like a I think she's wearing a towel or is she wearing like a robe she's a towel she's basically not dressed yeah and obviously Michael then thinks that Marta is cheating as well (laughs) so we've ended up in this weird position where everything that Marta was doing that was for Michael now has made him think she's cheating and obviously she is in a way Uh, there's a little brief scene with you know Lucille and and George Senior and it's rare that we actually just get those two together because most of the prison visits, visits usually have like Michael accompany them or Job or, or um, you know, the worst lawyer in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the, like, it's rare that we just get the husband and wife together. Uh, and I love that, <laughs> that George is like... Listen, I know, I know you think I'm going after the $49, but I want, I want you to watch a little <laughs> caged wisdom. And it's funny because... Because he wouldn't just give her a video. He would charge her for the video. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such, a, it's, such a, it's such a dopey joke, but yeah. And then, of course, we I mean, this is like, a, a prob- you know, uh, kind of as vulgar as, as, as Arrested Development gets when um, George says... Hey, Bruno, any chance that the hole is available between four and six? <laughs> And Lucille just says, I don't even want to know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love that. And then, in, you know, we now find out that um, Tobias has landed the role of frightened inmate number two. And it, other than the whole kind of like martyr <laughs> thing, this is possibly my favorite like ongoing joke that will, I think actually continues after the next episode. It continues for a few more episodes where Tobias is <laughs> trying to find, you know, the frightened side of his <laughs> acting um, and I, I love that he goes to the um, you know he goes to the the audition and he's intimidated by the competition, which is basically just a bunch of guys who all look like David Cross. <laughs> and and then obviously the narrator says, you know, and this fear made him, you know, you know, made him <laughs> fearful, which made him more confident, which made him more fearful. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> And David Cross kind of, in his face, you can see him doing all those, like, kind of going through all those emotions. And it's such a funny scene. Um, And we don't find out until we get to the on the next, but um, Frightened Inmate number two will have to be nude at some point. And obviously, we already know, it's been firmly established that uh, Tobias is never nude. Yes, there are dozens Um, of them. (laughs) Dozens. Dozens. (laughs) But it's not recognized and, uh, as a real affliction. The the great thing is, of course, um, after Buster realizes he's been dating an old lady, you know, Marta is in the door and Michael has been trailing her. So he returns a few seconds after Marta. We get this wonderful kind of incoherent phone call where Job decides to come up with a code and then can't remember what the code means. <laughs> Immediately gets confused. Yeah. Nobody? And what do you mean so nobody? Whole thing... <laughs> I should just come in there. Yeah. It's like... One second. I'm going to speak very carefully in case she's with you. You're right. Right about what? She's there? What's going on? Who's with you? If it's 
smart as say nobody. Nobody. Well, now I don't know what's going on. So did you find out anything? Uh, I'm dying here, Michael. Did, did you find that guy? What's his name? Hermano. Hermano. Is that your brother? Hmm? Oh, he's upstairs. Remember? Listen, I gotta go. Somebody wants to take me out to dinner. Somebody? Nobody. <laughs> Why don't I just come in? I'm right outside. <laughs> and then when he says, when Michael says Hermano out loud, then Marta says, is that your brother? <laughs> and Michael's like, no, he's upstairs. <laughs> and it's like, somebody wants to take me out to dinner. It's like, somebody? Nobody. It's like, just, I love how it's kind of clear. Like, if you know what, what Michael's trying to say, the code is quite clear. But because Job instantly forgets, it just becomes really confusing <laughs> for him. I also um, love that know. Job is just slowly rotating on his Segway while he's on the phone. I think that's just just like, in anxiety, like anxiety circles. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What's going on? Oh. I don't know if that's just because you can't just let a Segway sit like that with it turned on or something. Whatever it is, it looks know. really it, funny. But it is. A, it, it's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice touch that he's just kind of like slowly going around. Mm. And then, of course, you know, we get to the whole, you know, maybe uh, moving rooms, and um, you know. Uh, maybe you know saying that, that she you know she realized he's got a big boy crush on action jackson well no how can i compete with that and and then it's funny because you know this is where lindsay says you know you know maybe he's like i'll unpack my suitcase and lindsay and lindsay's like no we may have to bolt <laughs> but i love how tobias like yells at the wall and he's like, you could be, you could be sleeping with frightened inmate number two, but Lindsay's just drying her hair, and she doesn't hear. Um, and of course, Tobias, you know, starts kind of. Um, this is this is where we kind of get the first glimmer of what will become the the second half of the whole, um, you know, uh, cousin relationship thing, which is where um, Tobias says, you know. And then, of course, we couldn't conceive. So there was that famous ordeal. And this gives George Michael a, a, a sliver of hope that he might not actually be related to maybe, which shouldn't make any kind of difference. But I love how George Michael phrases it as, is she just some girl I know? <laughs> <laughs> love that um, this is the first time Tobias, he or maybe not the first time, actually, he refers to himself as a big, strong daddy. And later on, he'll find a, he'll find a song that uh, kind of, <laughs> Parenting tapes. We now get to see like Lucille being alone, and I just I love Jessica Walters, and I just love what she does with Lucille. But this scene is just so much fun. I made a note, um, you know, with her. I made a note that she even turns the TV on like very flamboyantly. She's just like turning it on and then (laughs) turning the volume up, and she's waving her arms. It's very theatrical. And then obviously she's you know as the song. I don't know if I don't personally know this song. I literally only only know it as this clip (laughs) from Arrested Development. And that's when Lucille realized that she just might like being alone after all. Going around like just popping all the balloons yeah. <laughs> that, that Lupe has has gone to the trouble of putting. Up. That song, that um, song's from the musical Gypsy, right? Land, do you know? Okay. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, and it's it's Ethel Merman, and um, I believe the play is about just, like, this horrible stage mother who uses her children for her own gain, so it's kind of funny that that <laughs> mother's big song would be what Lucille is using as her anthem. That's a perfect thematic fit right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, of course, but, you know, um, we'll find out pretty soon that, you know, Lucille misses... Buster being around. Uh, Michael and Marta have a dinner. 
um, you know, which of course was what Michael set up while he was trying to give code to Job. So it ended, he ended up having to kind of do this dinner just so that the code worked. I, I love that kind of Michael is trying to, you know, that, that both of them are kind of talking around the subject and you end up with Michael saying, you know, uh, but he who often suggests working on another thing, which when the first thing is not, and obviously he's so <laughs> completely confused, um, you know, and Marta's like, will you excuse me for a moment? And he goes, yeah, sure. Because like, he couldn't figure out what he was saying Fair anyway. Me. So yeah, and then th- and then obviously you know this is where we get the little moment where Michael realizes what her manner means, and you know he realizes what Tiamo means, and you know he just he he figures out that um, you know Marta loves him, you know doesn't lo- and doesn't love Job anymore. But obviously both of them can't. They they're both quite, you know too good to deliberately break Job's heart and start seeing each other without, you know, kind of talking to him. And, you know, Michael kind of gets a bit angry thinking that she was cheating. And then he sees the gift and then he asks, um, I think his name's Amabel. I think, I don't know how to pronounce that, but he asks him, um, you know, about it. And then this is, this is when he finds out that it means brother. And we finished the episode with Michael saying, I've made a huge mistake. And I think it's funny that, you know, he's the, he's the third different person to say, you know, the title of this podcast within this one episode. Um, and on the next, we get um, George Michael stealing a strand of maybe's hair. <laughs> <laughs> where he says, I'll let you know when I get it back from the lab, which is just such a funny kind of like line. Um and, you know, Carl Weathers is saying, you know, you don't shower your clothes on, do you? <laughs> and, you know, Buster rebounding from Lucille by watching um, Marta uh, and repeating, you know, lines and saying Tiamo Marta. And I think it's interesting that out of the three Bluth boys who are interested in Marta... Um, Buster is the only one who goes to the trouble of learning Spanish... <laughs> Uh, like Job has been going out with her for what I can tell is months here and he hasn't bothered learning Spanish and Michael just kind of wings it with the Spanish um, <laughs> I always so thought about that, that m- I always thought about that while yeah. watching this show because I'm like these are all these people that are born and raised in Southern California and apparently never paid attention for one hot second in their <laughs> high school Spanish classes I think even Job remarks on something on it like in the next episode about like yeah, having in four the next years episode of Spanish he in high school and doesn't know anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's worth noting that Lupe is wearing a Thanksgiving themed <laughs> sweatshirt that's one of the best things <laughs> on Valentine's she Day. She always does that. Um, but other than that, is there anything else that stands out that you want to talk about? When I watched this time, I was thinking about Marta's poor children. How they have <laughs> zero good role models in their lives. Like male role models. Their mom has the worst taste in men. And Job's just been around sticking things into his neck. and. Uh, so I feel like we've covered everything that we possibly can about this episode. Yeah. Unless either of you have any final little thoughts. I'm going to ask if anyone's got anything to plug. So, um, Emily, do you have anything you wish to plug? I don't really do anything. But if people want to follow <laughs> me on Instagram or Snapchat, I'm EmilyB775. And, Lan, do you have anything you wish to plug? Uh, all I've got is all the other podcasts I've done with you. I've got a talking <laughs> cast. I've got the cast next door. And I've got As If. 
And I just did an episode of Turn to Page with Jesse, with uh, Jesse oh, yeah. and Heidi, or Heidi. Uh, and that will be out in September, I believe. This is my first foray into podcasting, so. Uh, there's nothing else for me to say other than on the next episode of I've Made a Huge Mistake. Uh, we will be concluding the Martyr storyline with uh, Beef Consom. Uh, my guests will be Kyle Michael and Sarah Homan. Uh, so, you know, tune in for that because um, kind of the, the, the main arc was conceived as being Marta and Job and that love triangle. So it's going to be fun to, uh, to talk about the kind of the conclusion uh, of that whole thing. Join me for that. Uh, otherwise, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>